How about how about uh, any other kind of God stories or, or ways you see fishing and the Bible connect um, or yeah faith? Um, I don't know. They say um, musky, this musky fish. They say it's the fish of ten thousand casts. Oh. They say that really you catch one every 10,000 casts. You might take like 100 casts when you go fishing each time. That means wow. every 100 times you might catch one. Some people never catch a muskie while they're fishing. Really? In their life. Some the people will catch a lot. Yeah. But the but, fish of 10,000 casts, I never have heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes people just like, they, they keep going back to the same spot and they don't catch anything. Okay. Well, here, here we go with those hot dogs, Phileas. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice catch. <laughs> they keep going back to the same spot, and they're like, well, why am I not catching any muskie? Maybe there's no muskie there. Yeah. Then sometimes we get just like a little sniff of like how awesome the muskie is. Like um, when I was 10, I was at fishing camp, and I had never caught a muskie or anything like that before. Um, I had this double leader. Um, it's like this metal leader that keeps fish from biting through the line, except it, it's shaped like this. Oh. Um, so there are all these musky there. And I'm like, well, I got the biggest rod, so I should be the one that catches them. <laughs> right. That's right. Hey. That's right. Everybody's like, yeah. Let's if, go. If you can hook them. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. So I'm, I'm trying all this time. I'm like 30 minutes in. This musky, I just see it cruising right underneath me. So I, I carefully lay down this metal leader thing. Yeah. The muskie swims right through it. No way. I have its like head right, right on like, one end. Yeah, its tail on the other, like oh. right by the gills. I just yank up. This three foot, three and a half foot fish is just thrashing. Really, right caught, there. caught right in the middle. Caught right in the middle. I only had it on for like ten seconds, but it was like this ten <laughs> seconds. I was like, this is how great this could be. Right. And then sometimes people have to people actually catch the fish. Okay. Then like. You're just kind of awestruck when that happens. Wow. But you have to work for that. Okay. Like Xavier, yeah. when he caught that muskie, he had to swim up ice cold water okay. and grab the fish. Okay. Uh, so sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's dangerous. Sometimes you got to cast 10,000 times, huh? Yeah. Uh, don't you love the stories of uh, Phileas' sharing? Thanks, Phileas. Just, you, you just did a great job. Next week's going to be the final episode. You can't miss next week. Great, great final episode from Phileas on fishing. But did you know that muskie is a fish of 10,000 casts? I, I never knew that before. And, uh, you know, that's, that's like fishing for people, right? Sometimes you just got to cast and cast and cast and cast some more and uh, plant those seeds. And uh, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. So uh, thanks, Phileas, uh, for sharing with us throughout this series. Look forward to next Sunday. Today we're in part five, uh, Breakfast on the Beach. Part five of our Let's Go Fishing series, Breakfast on the Beach. Heather gave us a great preview for it in her uh, children's message this morning. Did you hear about the two guys who went fishing on Sunday morning? And they're, they're out there having a great time fishing on Sunday morning, and all of a sudden they hear church bells in the distance. And one guy says, oh man, you know, Al, we, we should really be in church. And Al rebates his hook and uh, casts out again and says, nah, I couldn't go anyway. My wife is sick. Uh, <laughs> fishing, yes. Church, no. John chapter 21 for our uh, reading for today. 
verse 1, here's our fishing story. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Let me just uh, set a little background to this uh, verse and this story that we're in in John chapter 21. This is Jesus' third appearance to his disciples after his resurrection. His third appearance to his disciples after his resurrection, according to the Gospel of John. And a lot, a lot has happened in those last 24 hours of Jesus' life. The disciples experienced his uh, transforming the Passover meal into the Last Supper, and then they saw him agonize in the Garden of Gethsemane for what was ahead, and then they saw him arrested, and then, his, and then his went to trial be, before the high priest, Caiaphas, and then, and then they saw his persecution and crucifixion. Then on Sunday morning, they, there was an empty tomb. Jesus appeared to Mary, the other women, and the disciples. So a lot had transpired, and the disciples, uh, their heads and their hearts were spinning. Verse 2. And, and, and by the way, they had returned from Jerusalem where the crucifixion was and the Jewish Passover celebration. They returned from Jerusalem to their home, Sea of Galilee, Capernaum for Peter, and the other parts, Bethsaida, and other homes. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, who were the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples were together. So if you're counting, that's seven, seven disciples. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Julius, I think you would have been like, yeah, let's go. We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. So a little bit more background. Seven of the disciples were together. The disciples are weary and unsettled, processing all that had happened. They're struggling with their own failure. Peter had denied knowing Jesus, and the disciples had abandoned Jesus at his hour of need. And so they do what we oftentimes do when we've experienced failure or when we're just feeling unsettled or confused. They went back to the familiar. They go to the familiar. And what's the familiar? They go back to what they were doing before Jesus called them into ministry. They go back to fishing. They go back to their familiar spot, fishing. Well, um, uh, Peter says, I'm going to the lake. Uh, and the disciples, others, six others say, let's go, I'm going with you. And that night, they fished all night and caught nothing. Now, there's a little bit of action going on there because it harkens back to when Jesus called them to be his disciples when they fished all night and caught nothing. Verse 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. To get the picture, they fished all night, caught nothing. They're coming into shore to quit for the day. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Have you ever called out to somebody who's fishing? Hey, caught anything? That's kind of what Jesus did. Hey, caught anything? Why haven't you caught any fish? Nope, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. 
When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John. John is known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, the author of the Gospel of John. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. Peter's all in. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. So again, a little, a little picture of what was going on. The day is dawning. It's a little hazy, maybe a little foggy. They can't really see the person a hundred yards away in the shore. They think it's a stranger, and, and they're tired and weary and ready to call it a night and go home, wash their nets, go home and get some rest. But then this stranger says, there's some on the other side of the boats. They said, let's give it a try. And uh, all of a sudden, their nets start filling up with fish. Again, when Jesus called the disciples, he said to them, launch out into the deep water. They'd fished all night, caught nothing, but then he said, launch out into the deep water, and they did. Jesus was like, he was saying, I can see what you can't see, and I can do what you can't do, so launch out. So it's deja vu all over again. They had a net breaking boat sinking catch of fish three years earlier after a night of catching nothing. Now they have their nets full of fish after a night of catching nothing. They realize it's Jesus. Verse 9. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus on the shore, a fire of burning coals with fish on it and some bread, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Hmm. So now I wonder, who counted the fish? It says 153. Right? John was a witness to this. Who counted the fish? Now, some of you who are fishermen, you're, you're fish counters, right? You, you like to count, and you like to measure, and you like to know everything, whether you caught 8 or 28 or 2 or 22, and you know the, want to know the size of them, right? So my, I don't know this, but my hunch is that a couple of these seven disciples who were fishermen uh, counted. And they were like, whoa, we got, we got to count these fish. And so they started putting piles of 10 together on the shoreline, on the beach. A pile of 10 and a pile of 10, a pile of 10 and a pile of 10 and a pile of 10. 15 piles of 10, that's 150. And there's three more left over. Whoa, 153 fish. And they were just astounded. And I'm also wondering, is there any significance to 153? I mean, is there any significance to this catch of 153? Maybe, and maybe not. St. Jerome, who was an early church father in the 4th century, uh, reflecting on the ancient world, commented that there was a tradition in that time that if you counted up all the species of fish in the lakes, the bodies of water, the seas, there were 153 species. 
Now, now we know today there are lots more species than 153, but the ancient world said there were 153. And so the catch of fish reported by John in John chapter 21 says the gospel net is for every kindred, every tribe on this terrestrial ball, as the hymn says. In other words, the gospel is for all people, all nations, every tribe, clan, and tongue. And we, we know that's absolutely true. So maybe there is specific meaning to the 153 fish that were caught that day. Maybe not. But it's certainly an interesting piece of information in the gospel account to be included here. Next verse, verse 12. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Fishing all night, right, hungry, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time. Remember I referenced earlier, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So what's going on here? Well, I think what's going on here is we see Jesus' hospitality. He cared for their physical needs. And he was showing himself to them another time, alive, really another confirmation of his resurrection. So there was a, a, both a physical caring and a spiritual caring going on. He was hospitable, cared for their needs, but he was also revealing that he's alive. Don't be confused. Don't be unsettled anymore. Come on in, boys. <laughs> Let's have some breakfast. Come on in. Bring some of those fish you caught, too. I got a little bit of fish here, but not, not enough for seven hungry fishermen. Bring some of those fish in, too. I'd like to spend some time with you. Connect with you. I have some things to share with you. And I've got the fire ready. So let's have breakfast. Let's just pause for a moment to dig into this detail. This is not just an ordinary fire. It's a charcoal fire. Did you catch that inverted? When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it. A charcoal fire. Follow me on this. The last time we read about a charcoal fire in the Gospel of John is in a courtyard outside the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, it was Jesus had been arrested, taken to the palace of the high priest Caiaphas for a trial. And there, and it was in probably early hours of the morning even. Late at night, I say late at night, but probably even early hours of the morning. And Jesus was there and the, the soldiers were warming themselves at a charcoal fire. And Peter has the light of that charcoal fire illuminating his face. He's, he's close enough by that he can see Jesus across the courtyard and wondering what is going to happen to my Lord uh, because his face is illuminated by the charcoal fire, the, a servant girl and the soldiers recognize Peter. So they say, Peter, aren't you a disciple of Jesus? No, 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 no. I don't know, even know him. And they ask that three times. And three times, 
Peter denies knowing Jesus. Three times says, no, I do not know him. And after the third time, a rooster crows. And Peter realizes what he has done. And he looks across the courtyard. And Peter's eyes meet the eyes of Jesus. And Peter is immediately filled with remorse and pain. The point is this. The sight of a charcoal fire would bring back a dreadful memory for Peter. The sight, the smell of a charcoal fire would bring back a dreadful memory for Peter. Now, I don't know about for you, but charcoal fire is, hey, I, that's not a dreadful memory. Those are good memories. I, I love a charcoal fire. I love to grill. You know, in the summertime, everything tastes better on a grill. And summertime's a great time for grilling. Everything tastes better, whether it's hamburgers, hot dogs, brats, steaks, barbecue, chicken, ribs, you name it. Everything tastes better on a grill. I mean, the flavor, that charcoal flavor just gets in there and it just permeates every bite. And you're like, oh, yeah, bring that charcoal charcoal uh, flavor on, right? Now, now some of you are going to, sorry about that. Your mind is now wandering, right? <laughs> your mind and your thoughts are wandering about when you can fire up that grill. Like my mind is probably wandering. Fire up that grill, right? Well, come on back. Come on back. Um, there's an old saying about barbecuing. It's kind of like what I shared a few weeks ago about uh, the woman who gave her daughter some advice before her wedding. And she said, honey, here's some final advice for you about that will really help you in your marriage. She said, if you uh, give a man a fish, uh, you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, hey, you can get rid of him for the whole weekend. <laughs> well, it's like barbecuing. Uh, the saying goes like this. If you um, give a man some barbecue, you can feed him for a day. But if you teach a man how to barbecue, you won't see him for the whole summer until he comes back in for some more meat. But you will eat well. So barbecuing, charcoal fire, has a smell that lingers. A smell that lingers. Jesus has a charcoal fire going. To Peter, it's a dreadful memory. But Jesus says, Peter, come on over. Have some breakfast. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What are the these? Not sure. Do you love me more than these fish? You might be tempted to go back fishing. Because I know you love fishing. Do you love me more than these fish? Or do you love me more than your brothers, your band of disciples? Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, 
you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus goes one-on-one -on -one with Peter. Jesus knows what's going on in Peter's mind and his heart. So he goes one-on-one -on -one with him. Peter was still feeling the pain, the remorse, the regret of his fear and cowardice when he denied Jesus three times. Three times, Peter denied Jesus around a charcoal fire. And now three times, Jesus forgives Peter around a charcoal fire. That's what's happening here. Forgiveness is happening here. Restoration is happening here. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, 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 Lord. Then take care of my sheep. And across the charcoal fire, Peter's eyes meet the eyes of Jesus once again. And the smoke of the charcoal fire shifts. And Jesus says, I have a job for you, Peter. Peter, remember, you are the rock. And upon you and your leadership, I will build my church. I forgive you, Peter. I have a job for you, Peter. Peter thought three strikes and I'm out. But Jesus gives three affirmations and you're in. Every day for, for Peter, for you and me, every day can be a new beginning. That's what our scripture fishing story is telling us. Every day for Peter, every day for you and me can be a new beginning. Because guess what? We all have those Peter moments, right? We all have those moments when we have denied Jesus, when we have failed to identify as a Christ follower, when we have failed to acknowledge or, or, or to, to speak up for the fact of, 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 our, of our faith or of our association with the church. And, and we have... Uh, failed in that, in that moment when the pressure of the crowd is to, to capitulate and, and to do something or say something contrary to our faith. We've stumbled. It's been selfish and self-preserving. We've all had those Peter moments in our lives. Maybe it was several years ago. Maybe it was several months ago. Maybe it was this last week or yesterday or last night. Today, the smoke of the charcoal fire shifts. And Jesus invites you, as he invited Peter, to breakfast on the beach. Jesus is saying to you, as he looks at you with the eyes of mercy and forgiveness and compassion, Jesus is saying to you, I forgive you, I restore you, I have a job for you. Every day is a new beginning. And so, friends, the next time that you uh, uh, think about going to beef butter barbecue or 
Brick House barbecue or Famous Dave's barbecue or Dickie's barbecue or, or having a barbecue in your own backyard and smelling the smoke of that fire and that barbecue, the next time that happens, I invite you to take a deep whiff of the smoke and the barbecue and remember Peter having breakfast with Jesus and rejoice in the fact of Jesus' offer for you of forgiveness and mercy and a fresh call on your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for your mercy and your forgiveness. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, who was so interested in one person, so interested in Peter, invested in Peter, that he offered Peter three affirmations, three signs of love, that he asked Peter three times, and Peter was able to affirm three times to, to uh, overcome his denial with great blessing and affirmation. We thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness for us. And I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to see you face to face. That your eyes might eat, meet the eyes of our hearts today. And that we would embrace your forgiveness, your mercy, and that today would be a new beginning. That we would celebrate your goodness. And that, Lord, through your goodness to us and your grace to us, we'd be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen.